Welcome to Becoming Parents Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Campbell. I'm a doula in Washoe County, Nevada, a Medicaid provider, a lactation educator, childbirth educator, and mom of 18. You can find me and connect on doulainreno.com. Remember, give a shout out to those who are brave enough to share their stories with us on how they have become parents. Let's dive in. Welcome to Becoming Parents Podcast. I'm the host, Jennifer Campbell. And today I have on Alana Heim. How are you? I'm awesome. So this is my special bonus local episode. So we actually know each other. We hug. We see each other once a month at your the networking group that you run, which we'll talk about. And you've actually been on my podcast four other times. So we're going to do this a little differently because Yay. there's lots of information about what you do and your parenting journal journey. And that's all we have the links for all of that and how to find you. So I want to jump in and have you talk about, you have a 15-year-old and twin nine-year-olds and you're shifting or you're being much more intentional mm-hmm. about your parenting and your relationship with your husband. So I want to just jump into that. Okay. Yeah. And, and here, here's a big piece too, just to know for everybody that's watching and listening, we go through a nine-year cycle in life. And every year there's a new theme for us. And I have to say last year was a six year for me. And that's just looking at some numerology components. It's like birthday, birth month, and then added to the the year. So last year was 2023. That was a seven year for everybody, but personally you're going to have a theme. And wow, was there growth opportunities for my relationship, especially with my husband, my kids, and us finding the dynamics of how are we supporting each other? Are we being supported? Are we communicating more effectively? And it was just kind of like all the pieces that led to noticing where I need to work on myself. My daughter's learned my bad habits. My 15-year-old is totally like holding in and wanting to be in that rebellious place. And I get it. And yet then seeing eye to eye with my husband and how do we parent this when he's former Marine, more military, you know? And so just the, the dynamics that shift and we're already in 2024. I can already feel things shifting. I can already see the huge growth that when we have conversations with my daughter who is not doing well in a class and we have to step in and be the parent that, that she's not conflicted as much with us. She's not looking at us like, you're just trying to be this authority stepping in to control my life. Right. And we all get that. We constantly come back to the place of, look, we're doing the best we can. We're here to help you make the best choices that you can when we're no longer in your life all the time, when you get to move out and grow up and do your own thing. Mm -hmm. But we have to step in if you're still acting like a kid and not taking on the responsibilities that you want when you know you're not an adult, but you think that you are. It's such a hard thing to navigate. I talked to, I have a daughter who's 14 and it's the same thing. Like you want more independence and freedom but you have to have more responsibility and do it well. And although you think you have the answer, the light, your life experience is short, which, you know, kids can be like, whatever, but look, you have 14 years of life experience. That's wonderful. That's great. I have 53 and I've parented (laughs) before and I see a bigger picture and I I'm looking at things through a different lens as your parent, right? It's that same thing, but I get you're wanting more independence and freedom. And also 
you, you don't have the ability at your age to, to know what the best decisions are always. And that is hard. I know I get it. You want to be 18. You're smarter. You have it all figured out. It was different when we were young. I get all the things, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We all hear it over and, and, and over yet, and over. You're not there yet. You're just not there yet. Right. Yeah. And that, that is hard. It's hard. Also giving the, giving away, relinquishing some of that parenting. I don't want to use the word control because I don't think as parents, we're trying to control our kids, but we're parenting but, our kids. But they perceive it that way. Correct. And, and that already is such a, a great place to notice the gap. Okay. I know you think we're coming from here. Can we tell you where we're actually coming and start to reconcile that? And, right. and I feel like that's a lot of what we had to continually do is not really explain ourselves, but a little bit in the sense to help the brain development, understand yeah. that a little better and not just feel like we're this suffocating, looming, gloomy parenting uh, organization or corporation that's like controlling you. <laughs> right. But and I had a kid say, you don't, why can't you just trust me? And I'm like, it's not my job to trust you. It's my job to train you, to teach you, to guide you trust that's not really exactly part of a parenting relationship it's not not part of it but if i just trusted you to do the right thing i can guarantee you would fail miserably almost every time and then i would have no trust in you and we'd have a different relationship with friction if i think of it from not even having it not using the word trust and using the word teach and train and you know come alongside and that well then that's that's different but if you want to throw the word trust around and my daughter has done the same right it's because so i'm gonna show you do. the million ways that i don't trust you and that i'm not going mm-hmm. to trust you and that i don't feel like i can trust you and those are not healthy helpful conversations so el- eliminating that word trust and using different vernacular now i'm guiding you this isn't about trust this is about me teaching you and guiding you and helping you and showing you and even proving to you the direction you're going. And that's because once you start bringing up trust, that's such a negative connotation. But, and the bottom line with kids is like, I, do, I don't, because <laughs> you're probably not going to make the best decision. And that's not their fault. So I feel like you set it up with all this friction and like, my mom doesn't even trust me. And it's not even really about that. It's, right. that's the wrong language. So and, and I would yeah. say if we go internally, trust is coming externally from their mouth because they don't trust themselves yet. And if they don't, if, if, and again, this is for all of us, if we don't trust ourselves. It's really hard for us to trust other people. And now if we're constantly yeah. like thinking that you then can't trust me, well, it's potentially because you already can't trust yourself. And so it's that dynamic that they're really exploring in the teenage years as their brain is developing, developing, their body is changing, hormones, peer pressure, all these things are like out here. And that's where they're focused mm-hmm. that again, we're, we don't know how to go inward. We don't know how to explore what we're feeling. And a lot of the things that she'll say is, well, you don't even know what I'm feeling. You don't even know what, what I'm going through. And I'm like, okay, well, well, well tell us. Well, I, I just can't right now. And so then we we come back and we're like, so we keep hearing that there's stuff going on. Like, when are you going to be able to share that? Oh, well, I've already moved on or I, I don't need to talk about it. And that's such a big part of if we think we can process it, but we really don't have the skills because even as adults, 
we don't even know how to do that. So imagine when your children, whatever age, especially as teenagers, they're not going to have those skills either. But then there's that fear that starts to come up that already keeps them from trusting themselves, trusting you. And now that fear is like, I don't need you. You're just trying to be that authority figure. You're trying to control me. You're not trying to help me. You're just telling me that, you know, and, and then whatever their friends might be going through and they're hearing it from that direction. So there's so much gold for me to learn because I'm so far removed from being the teenager, right? right. And how I'm parenting is not how I was parented. And I'm constantly working on myself to be better and help my children. But they're constantly showing me where if I'm still snappy, I'm clearly not coming from a place of love with them and I need to work on that, right? And being patient, putting stuff down and giving them my full attention and these things that we maybe never have given ourselves. And that's teaching me how to do that, but also with them in a way that they can, they can see it and start giving it to themselves as well as they continue to grow. I think you said something in there that I like, I don't disagree, but um, I think teenagers sometimes come from a place of angst, even if we are showing them and giving them and guiding them that love. And it goes back to, I remember toddlers when they'd say, your kids are so well-behaved when you bring them someplace and you're like, I'll give you a week in my house to want to quit that <laughs> job, right? Because, oh, well, they just feel comfortable with you. So they feel like they're allowed to act their worst. And Maybe there's lots of truth in that. I think as teenagers also, like there is some, there there's some of that, like from when they were toddlers, they feel like it's a space where they're allowed to not be on their best behavior or not be coming from a place of love, even when you are. And I think that that's a good thing. And it's also mm -hmm. not getting us anywhere too. Cause if they're like, I, you, I can't tell you, or I don't want to talk about that. Well, then you're going to have a direct consequence for your actions. And I have no idea where they're coming from or why I'm giving you the opportunity to speak about them. You may still have consequences, but at least I'll be doing it from a place of understanding. And now I'm just doing it, you know, because with kids, depending on what it is and depending on their age, you want to protect them and, whether yeah, it's grades or a teacher or friends or social media or whatever's happening, you know, the place you're coming from may be of love, but if they're not meeting you there, maybe they feel safe and secure and happy, but they're not always going to meet you back with love, I think is, right. and that's hard. Right. And that is because it really is learned already. Because if you think of the infant and the toddler and they already are the purest energy of love they're there they start to move away from it because of how potentially we react mm -hmm. and start teaching them to be short and I know my daughter is emotional all of my kids are myself included it's part of our human design our energies I see the gift in allowing them that space to mm -hmm. feel the emotions and that can be hard too because Sometimes it comes out really snappy and almost attacking, but I'm, I'm in that space of like, it's okay. I, I'm learning myself. Don't take it personally. It's not personal. They just need that 
that venting. And that can be hard because then sometimes that's where my husband is like, I don't like how she's talking. She shouldn't. And the kid shouldn't. And I'm like, look, I really believe that if they have this space, now they feel safe to use it and bring it to the table. Because if they can't do it here, where are they going to do it? At school where they get in trouble and they get yelled at and told to knock it off and hold it in. Um, you, you know what I mean? And we have to learn how to actually process our emotions in a healthy way so that once we feel it, we just like vent about it. It's like, we're done with it, which is very fascinating to witness with my kids. And it really is true that then they feel better and they've moved on and it, it is not weighing them down. But when she goes back into her head and her mindset of, I can't tell you, and you won't understand I get to point out that's not fair. You're not even giving me the opportunity. You're not even giving right. yourself the space to create for yourself and just let it air, let it out. And, so, you know, and she'll journal and I think talk to friends, but sometimes you still learn that people are going to judge and you only show so much and you don't really express the way that sometimes you can with family. And I feel like that's why family tends to get things taken out bigger and louder than with anybody else, because you do have that, that safety net. Yeah. I think that was my point. And it, it's hard. It's hard. This is, this is my feeling with teenagers with that, with that snarky, snappy thing. Like I want to understand, I am trying to have a conversation and I want this to be a conversation, but if you're going to talk to me like that in a disrespectful manner, it's now becoming a confrontation and I, I'm not initiating that, but at some point I need to call you on that because I'm not willing for a relationship to be full of confrontations. And that's what's happening. You know that. So it's, a, I think it's a hard balance to allow them the space to feel that and work through it. But I'm probably more like your husband. I also feel like, wait a minute, you don't get to talk to me like that and use your feelings as the excuse to come, become unhinged on me and then not expect me to respond to that in kind. Right. That's, it's a hard, it, that's very challenging. It's very challenging. Yes. And so to, we, to me, that's another gap, you know, that we have to like reconcile right. and see what, what is okay and what's not. And what I have to say, and I really appreciate is in those moments later, right? Because emotions are, they're not in the moment. You really don't have the clarity. You're just kind of like uh, spewing until you, you, you let yourself sit in it. She can come back and say, I'm sorry that I came out that way, or I said this, or I didn't do this. And it's like, wow, I, I feel like that's huge because there's a that lot of huge. adults that don't do that. And, and so I'm like, okay, that's a win, you know, like I I'm okay with it. And, and it helps me to realize like, where am I feeling triggered and, mm -hmm. and need to not lash back and get stuck in that feedback loop where, you know, that's what can happen with parents where you're like, no, I'm, I'm bigger than you. I'm, I'm the authority. And right. We, we don't want to get to that place. We want to find the place of love. So I bring that up a lot too. Like, okay, am I coming from a place of love? Are you coming from a place of love? And I'll say that even when they're snappy and my kids are at each other. And sometimes they'll just shout at me like, no, <laughs> because it is what it is. But again, if we can keep it in our consciousness and want to move in this place, I'm finding more peace and more calm mm -hmm. and more ease in all of it, which I feel like is huge. 
I learned very early on that two of my triggers are dishonesty and disrespect. <laughs> That's a real hard place to be with kids because they're going to lie oh. and be disrespectful, especially when, when they become teenagers and you know, you know, it's a lie. You, you're looking at them with what they say. And I, there's not even a question that it's a lie. And it's even being said in a way that's very disrespectful. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So you're right. You have to kind of know what your triggers are and dial. I, I'm very aware, like, okay, <laughs> this is massively triggering for me. <laughs> and and I want to just be the authority and bring down the hammer. They're like... Because if you want me to respect you and be open to you and allow you to share in the way that you feel comfortable, which is a little snarky some of the time, then I deserve the same amount of respect. It's, it is a battle. It's a battle depending on your personality as a parent, what your triggers are and how your kids are responding. Can you go back real quick and tell us about the year? Because I'm pretty sure Teresa, a mutual friend of ours said something to me. She was like, do you do numerology? That's her voice. And I was like, nope, nothing. And she's like, what year were you born? She asked me this the last time we saw her. And I I think I remember what she said, which meant nothing to me. It still means nothing. <laughs> she goes, oh, you're an eight. Okay. All right. That explains a lot. And I was like, okay, it was good to see you. <laughs> okay. So life I don't path? know if that's true. Yeah. Okay. Um, Tell people so- how to figure that out a little bit. Okay. Okay. We're looking at numbers and in your birth date, birth okay. day, month, year, and you okay. add them all up. Okay. We're looking to keep simplifying the numbers. So like if I add up, mine is 224 and it's 1979. And so I'm, I'm in my life path year this year. So actually 1979 was an eight year. And then two plus 24 is an eight. So really, if I just keep adding the numbers and you're looking to simplify. So if eight plus eight is 16, one plus six is a seven. And each number is something you chose to work on in this lifetime. And each year you're working on a different aspect of a nine-year cycle. So we're in a universal eight year okay, okay. this year. And, and so even if you want to say, okay, yep, it's like the infinity sign, right? There's, there's a lot of abundance. There is money that's tied to it. There is success. There is power and empowerment, but we also have to look at it. it it's not just money. It's not just finances. It's what does that even mean to you? Because your level of success might not be the same as somebody else's Mm -hmm. and and we can dial that in across any aspect in life like even parenting your version of success as a parent could be different than mine which more and more mine is like I want my kids to be authentic and me to be authentic and for them to emotionally express and for me to hold this place of being grounded being love being calm and patient and all these things that of course we all aspire to be and it feels really hard But for me to get there, I have to do a lot of inner work Mm -hmm. to realize my own triggers and know when my energy defenses come up, what does that look like? And how do I meet you if I'm feeling this emotionally in my relationship with my husband or with my kids or with somebody else? And it can look very different. 
right? Sometimes when it's with a stranger, we can still wear that, that mask and act like we're not seething when really we're losing it. Yeah. So if you have that eight, there is a big aspect of power and empowerment as well. And potentially what you're going to bring to the table is how do you use that when you are parenting and making sure that you are helping your child to be empowered, find their own power and not take theirs away. And I really see that is how parenting used to go. Right. Each generation before us, children were very powerless. It was taken away very early. It was, you do as I say, not as I do, and just all the things. And if you talked back, you know, maybe you're smacked. It's like immediately children were made to feel very small. And when I work with clients, those are the kinds of things that come out because they were told they were too loud. They were too much. Just shut up. You talk to, you know, and it's like all these things that they'll say a child is meant to be seen, but not heard, you know, and they have these like adages in their head, they still hold on to because of the way they were parented or their grandparents treated them or, you know what I mean? All of those pieces that for me, woo, I want to flip that with my own kids and help them feel more empowered to be who they are. And even to tell Taylor, because she, she always says she feels like a bird in a cage. I feel like I'm this bird in a cage, like, and I just, you know, and so there was one day she just something and I was driving. And so it was just like, okay, here's, here's mama truth, like coming out. And I just said, look, you're meant to fly. You're here to fly. And there is coming a time when that cage will no longer exist because you're going to leave and you're going to be gone. And you're going to be out on your own and you're going to be in the big, big, the big wide world. And it was just like, and it, it was a very tender moment. And she was like, mom, don't say that. And she's starting to cry. And I was like, and this is the hardest thing as a parent right? is we have to let you fly and you are meant to be on your own journey. And, and I feel like that's the thing I've, I'm seeing more and more. Doesn't matter if you know what they shouldn't do. If they're meant to do it. They will. And it's more, how can we honor their journey and not step in and not want to be that parent who was so scared that our insecurities and fears take over and make us want to be like, you almost got hit by a car. And, you know, it, it's like hearing those stories where their safety was put at risk. And instead of embracing their child, they smack their child, you know, mm. because, because of their own energy was so like, you could have got her in shake. You know, it's like, Oh, that feels so intense and heavy to know that's what we're letting go of all of us as the kid, as the parent, as the witness, it's like, how do you allow your child to fly even under your guise of a cage? And even when there is no cage, you know, and, and, you know, you have older children. It, I can only assume like parenting never ends, right? It, it just shifts to a different dynamic of what that role looks like. It does. And I didn't, I don't think I thought about this while I was raising my kids, but as the first one, you know, left and there was a four-year gap for me. So you've got a bigger gap too, right? I just thought 
It's interesting that I never felt like I was my kid's friend. I think that's a different relationship than a parent. I think you can be a parent who's open and friendly, but I think when they're your friend, there's some sort of vicarious living you're trying to do that I never wanted to do through my kids. But when they become adult, you're you're never not their parent, but that's when you start to become friends in a different way. Mm-hmm. And it's a hard transition that last, those last couple of years of high school and stuff. And then they leave. And I just thought like, I, I'm always your mom, but now I'm just your safety net, which is far different than being a cage, right? Being a safety net. If you like, I'm always here for you. But it's more when you need it and when you mm-hmm. when you want it. And now you can tell me things and I'm not there to give you consequences for them. I'm there to listen and ask, do you do you want me to listen to you or do you want me to give you suggestions? So I learned with my kids as they got became adults, like, do you want me to listen or can I give you a suggestion? Do you and I right. ask when you ask somebody are you comfortable with me giving you a suggestion? They almost never say no mm. because you're not shoving anything down their throat. And I have most of my kids are almost all my kids are adults now. And um, they talk to me about things that I, that they don't have to about their mental health, about finding a new therapist, about struggling with money. Um, You name it. And when I get a phone call and they're saying, you know, I really want to talk to you about this, or can we meet for coffee? And I really want to just unload. And I want you to share some suggestions. Like there is no greater compliment because they don't have to anymore. They're not in the cage. Mm -hmm. They're not in the, and it's not as good with some as others, but I think that that's the greatest compliment. And so I probably would have, um, worked backwards like, what do I want my relationship with my adult kids to look like? And then worked backwards from that to mm-hmm. figure out how I could have parented them a little differently or better so that that was the end result. And I didn't, cause you don't think, I didn't think that right. far ahead, but I'm glad that I did a good enough job. Cause look, as parents, we feel like we're failing all the time. We want to be, if you're doing a good job, you feel like you're failing and you want to do a better job. I mean- right? Because they mean so much to us because we don't want to damage them. And I learned that no matter what, you're probably going to damage your kids because yeah, and, and honestly, unintentional. And it, it's a blessing. It's yeah. part of the life journey. If you think that you're going to get it right, then there's, there's no already something, right. there's something missing. But even if you do something that you deem as, oh my gosh, I messed up my kid and I was trying so hard not to. Well, part of trying hard not to means you were focusing on not and and then it happened anyway, but it's, it's part of that destiny. It's meant to happen because if let's just say, and we all have a core wound. So both my daughter and I, we have a core wound of rejection. So what happens is, you're seated that in the womb before you're even born. And then as time progresses, it's like you, you're going to have people reject you when you're a little kid until you start getting to this place of you learn to reject yourself. 
And then you learn to reject others. You learn to reject God. You learn to reject all these pieces. And until you start to see that, wow, there was a blessing there of all this rejection gets me to whenever that healing point is, whenever that it just gets so intense and you're just like, something has to shift. Most of the time it's when we're older. The gift of knowing a lot of these things now is we actually do get to shorten the duration for our children. They can learn these things and process through it so they can actually be uh, impactful, like heroic adults instead of wounded, victimized adults, right, growing up. So when when they are learning this, at some point you come to realize the blessing of, wow, the rejection was the gift to teach me I need to start opening my heart to love me and love others. And even in that face of adversity and challenge of somebody's rejecting me, you know that they're hurting too. And now how can I open up and help them or be more tender or be more gentle, even if it still feels intense, but now you have a choice. You don't have to just go through the pattern and really what, what you had to learn was the polarity. What does it mean to really be rejected for all those times until you get to start shifting in the other direction? And so the, that that's what I really see is your parents always did do what you, your higher self or these higher parts of your of you needed so that you could see the full range. Because if we don't have that sometimes, it really kind of can be misleading or jaded or just keep you in just a, a certain direction instead of being able to have like the the full robust aspects of it all, if that makes sense. How has this changed things with you, like refocusing so that you, because teenagers definitely, once you start to get triggered with that and you realize you want to do things differently. And so you switched gears to really feeling like you wanted to parent with love. How that's got to be spilling over to the nine-year-old twins, to your husband, to yourself, to the things that you're doing in well, I would think like your Sunday afternoon session, which we haven't talked about much about your business, but you know, when you do those, um, the distance, Remote why don't you talk sessions. about, yeah, yeah, it's, it's something that for me, again, I'm noticing in myself what needs to change and then it starts to ripple and others will start to change. So a lot of times, like the twins, they just mirror each other, right? Which is what we all do actually, is we mirror each other. And when that happens, it's like, you'll see something in that person just drives you insane. So you just chip away at it and then it comes back and it, it just keeps, it, it festers and it, it continues to grow until you realize why does this bother me? Why do I let this bother me? What is it that bothers me? Well, maybe it's because I see something in you that I don't think I can do or I can be, right? Then why? And so it's this this place of getting to a point where, you know what, if it doesn't bother anymore and you do your thing, I don't respond. I don't get triggered. You might get bored or you might be like, oh. And so it, it starts to shift. Dynamics start to shift. And that's very much what's happened in the family, right? And and even when you think it starts to get easy at a set point, and really, Taylor has always been a very easy kid. Like, 
this is for us to get to 15 and be like, Ooh, okay, here we go. <laughs> That's kind of a, a, a blessing. You know, mm-hmm. the twins have always been the Rocky roller coaster. Like they are here as kind of earth shakers, like chaos, um, Taurus energy, but also like they're in numerology, a five path fives love freedom. They don't really want the discipline. So it's so fascinating to see in them how vocal they can be when they're not happy, they will complain and they will tell you, and there's no fear for them that they're going to get in trouble or they're going to get smacked or put in the corner or whatever. And more and more, it's like, wow, they're showing me who they are. So I do these energy sessions once a month. I do a, a group theme that I pull based on kind of the energies that are transiting in the world, like in the planets, what does this mean? And I always include myself and my family and whoever else I'm working on, because I know that energetically we're constantly shifting and changing and evolving. Mm -hmm. And depending on who we engage with, who we're around, their energy can come into our field. And sometimes when we feel angst and we feel that crazy, we feel the emotion might not be you. Hmm. And if you go long enough, not knowing and having discernment and being around it, you start to believe it's you and it messes with you mentally and emotionally and physically and spiritually and energetically that you start holding on to things that aren't yours. So I love doing the energy clearings because it helps, it helps my family, but it helps whoever's participating to start connecting more to who they are, discerning and feeling. And and again, you don't have to be deeply intuitive and, and really have this ability to feel the energy moving. I have clients that they just know something changed and they can realize, wow, my husband and I are having better conversations, or we're even able to have more of a conversation rather than a confrontation or a conflict or, you know, a triggered response. And sometimes it's just subtle or they, or they can really see it, or they can feel it in themselves and realize this thing isn't bothering me. So again, if something's not bothering you anymore, you don't give it power anymore and it doesn't try to take power over you. And if that's with somebody else in your life, if it is with a child, if it's with a parent and, you know, even us with our own parents, it's like, Ooh, there can still be stuff that comes up because we haven't done the work to realize why did I give my power away? Why do I let my mom talk to me this way? I don't let anyone else do that. And so putting these boundaries, putting up these, these pieces and the energies are just helping you to really connect back to your true God connection and feel all the energy that is you one with, with him and all that is, you don't have to let these things come in and take over. You get to find clarity within you. You get to change your mindset, if you want to say, or, um, recognize that if you do have these emotional triggers, you get to be more the observer and say, oh my gosh, in my partner telling me how he's upset with me, I'm seeing, Ooh, I was in my trigger and I didn't know I did that. I I need to work on that. And that's the blessing for both sides. 
right? If my daughter's triggering me, what do I need to work on? And if I'm triggering her when she's ready, she may work on it. She may not. And that, and that's the other part that we can only do the work on ourselves. Yet that is such a huge ripple because Mm -hmm. it's like, if you haven't seen someone in so long and you can just tell something shifted and they're different and you almost are like, Oh my gosh, like what changed or what did you do? You know, it's like, we start to realize we want more of that, or we want that calm or somebody used to be like high, strong and like all the time. And you can feel those people and it can be intense to be around, but suddenly they're more grounded. They're calmer. What did they do? Most of the time, the only thing they changed was themselves. That that, absolutely. That changes everything, right? (laughs) We, we do like a word of the year. I I love it because I don't do like um, resolutions, but you know, what's the end of our fiscal year, kind of a new start, a start of a new year. And so uh, we, last year, mine was grow courageously and it was intimidating at first because I thought in every area of my life, right? Every single area, when I'm confronted with something that feels challenging, instead of being like, oh, that seems hard. So I'm not going to do it. Like I need to grow courageously with that. And it was like praying out loud was one of them. It It's like, you know, reaching out and working with certain Medicaid pockets that are harder to work with and whatever it was in every single area. And it was such a phenomenal year because I had this attitude moving forward. And this year my word was flourish. And I looked at my husband and I said, what if we picked a word for each other? Like, what would, what would I want for you? And what would you want for me to focus on and his word for me was grace and (laughs) my first reaction I listened to him I was like I need a minute (laughs) I I can't I'm not going to be having this conversation with you right now I really need a minute but what a gift you know once you get past your initial reaction of like oh so I don't have enough grace in life so you're saying you know once you get past the, my initial was like, oh, I'm bristling. We need to not talk. <laughs> I was like, wow, what a gift that he wants me to look at everything this year through the lens of, of grace. And that's, it's just interesting. So, I mean, it's, it's, I love the work on myself and the picking my word and that having that time. And I just think if you're, if you take that a step further, you can ask the people that are the most close to you, like what would, because it is a gift to you for that year. It's not a manipulation. It's not malicious. It's a gift for you for that year. What would they want that gift to be in that word? And yeah, it was a really great conversation. But when it first came out of his mouth, I was like, it was a shock. And and you're what? like, what? <laughs> yeah, like the defense because <laughs> I am grace. I, you know, and nope, that's a, exactly the point of it all, right? right. Is we think something. Yeah. And of course, somebody else is going to perceive differently. And Correct. then we have to reconcile the difference. And again, not because you just, want to follow what somebody says, but when you really internalize it and observe it, you can see where you can do better, right? Become more of this energy in a way that you haven't before. 
tell us i we could talk forever like we just spend days on a podcast so tell us about your business people have all the links they can find you you don't only work with people here but you have the women's coffee connect and you have your personal business and then you have the distance the energetic distance sessions can you go through every single thing you do briefly so we can end <laughs> on a positive note and people know who you are yes so prosperity alignment it's all things prosperity because I see the the web that it weaves and we tend to think that that's money and finances and it is it is a big part but we're also shifting where the planet's headed there's a lot of things that are going to be changing especially financially and education and medicine and all the things but your health comes back in to prosperity right because if you're not healthy you're already going to feel depleted, which means you're going to feel sure. And you're probably going to like be in that defense place very quickly with your family, with, with um, your children. When you have a health decision, it comes back to money. When you yeah. want to change yeah. jobs and careers, it comes back to money. And what I really love guiding you to figure out is that you're here to understand, stand within, not stand under somebody else's knowledge or, or thoughts or system or whatever, that you begin to really connect within who you are, how you make those decisions. Because when it comes to bringing in, creating, manifesting what you want, the old paradigms financially was, well, let's look at your accounts. Let's see what you have. Let's see what you can do and then make a decision. If you really look at it and dial it in, you make the decision and then the finances show up. You choose what is aligned for you. And it's really hard when we have systems like medicine that say, hey, I want to work with you as a doula, but my insurance won't cover it, so I can't. But deep down, intuitively, they know they need you. They know they want you. Trust that, make the decision, allow the resources to come in because they will. And that's more how it works. So I use tools that are more astrology-based. Human design is basically this map, this blueprint of how you actually energetically are here to operate. So how are you here to draw in what you want? How are you here to make decisions? How are you here to work and honor yourself? to make sure you're sustainable rather than depleting and um, getting stuck in lack and scarcity. Whose energies do you feel that are influencing you and which ones are yours that you're here to actually let shine mm -hmm. and help others? I have another astrology-based tool, Gene Keys. Again, these are, I run free charts. It's based on birth date, birth time, birth location. Gene Keys goes more into the contemplation and the true depths of how do these energies really impact you? And that's where I can see the core wound that's been mm. influencing, impacting you in your life. I can see what you need physically and what you needed as that child, zero to seven, what you needed to learn about yourself emotionally that came in eight to 15. I can see what that emotional trigger is. Right. So it's like there is a trigger where we can feel the respect or disrespect. And, mm -hmm. and that can be very yeah. prominent. 
I also know how people then might go into their mental defenses mm -hmm. and how they're here to attract others and health-wise, what is it they need to give themselves to really take care of themselves? So, so there's like all these dynamics that um, I have clients that usually say, I know them better than they know themselves. I've right? said because... that lots of times <laughs> about you. <laughs> I don't know if you want to know my answer, ask Alana. She... <laughs> Alana, what should I do? Yep, that's what I should do. <laughs> and, and ultimately, no. Like, I get to say, yes, this is. Here's what's coming up. And is that right. true for you? And then you access your truth. And you know if it's yes or no. And be able to really tap into that. And so the energy parts, I do remote energy sessions. I keep them fully distance because I know my energy. I know how I can influence you, right? If I'm working on you and I'm like, oh, Jen, oh, there's something going on in your gut. Your right. head is going to go, yeah, yeah, I think I feel it. <laughs> and you might, okay. but you might not. But that's how powerful your head will be like, oh, okay, yeah. Oh, okay. Cause it wants to make it relevant. It wants to make it true, wants to understand it. So I want you to have your own experience. And so I don't do a live call. It is always, Hey, pick this time. I'm going to send you music. Is there something you want me to work on? And I record it and I send it to you later so that you can let your mind have that conscious experience and notice what comes up. But you and your higher self are doing the work. You're healing whatever these energetic imbalances might be, right? If you're knowing, oh, I've always tried to make decisions from my head. I need to be in my gut. And oh, by the way, my gut has been having issues for years. Mm -hmm. It's out of balance. And your gut was getting louder trying to say, hey, come listen, come pay attention to me. I'm here. I'm down here. Oh, that's not working. Let me add some weight. Maybe now you'll see me. <laughs> so it's like our body does these things. And you want to make sure that you're listening to all of these parts. So the energy work is really helpful to clear you, make sure that you're not running your life based on somebody else's energy that's been stuck in your field. Uh -huh. It's been so fun. I don't think we've done the jankies, so we need to do that. But you do all of these amazing things. And I loved, like, share really, share what your original degree was. Accounting. Yeah, so. I just, I mean, I, I remembered that what it was. Yeah, but I and I, to... yeah, so master's of accountancy, have my certified public accountant, certified financial planner. I still have those for advising only. And I now use CPA as the acronym for Cosmic Prosperity Activator, oh. because <laughs> what I love is getting yeah. more into the root. And even for myself, the things I, I'm working on are like out there that most people won't really get, but yeah. I want all of the power in you from all of your lifetimes, from you to God and back, like in right now that you're activating all of it. And I say galactivating, right? Because it's, it's so much bigger and it, it ripples everywhere. And there are things that get in the way. And so I, I love going into those depths of, is it from this lifetime as a child that you didn't get something or you felt that rejection or the shame or guilt or whatever it is that you're starting to notice it and you get to change the pattern. You get to really clear it 
so that you're truly present. You're not lost in the mind and all the past stuff that it'll preach to you, that you get to truly set forth on your path, the way that you're determining how, how you're creating it. Alana, thank you so much. Time number five. So good. We could talk forever. Thank you. You're welcome. So glad to be here.